Well, bless the wonderful name of Jesus, everyone. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much once again for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, I want you to hear the message entitled, Help, I Feel Rejected. I was the guest speaker at Holy Ghost Headquarters Apostolic Church in Bowden, Georgia, where the pastor there is Joseph West. We had a dynamic time in the Lord, and I want you to hear this message. And this message is entitled, Help, I Feel Rejected. We enjoyed it then, and I believe you're about to enjoy it now. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message entitled, Help, I Feel Rejected, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Praise Jesus. Well, it's an honor to be with you here today. It definitely is an honor. Uh, you have a mighty man of God as a pastor. And uh, I know the Lord has given us a word to give to you today. So I pray that you will just be open and receptive to hearing what the Lord has to say to you. Amen. Um, as Pastor just spoke, uh, I am the pastor of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. Uh, and I am here today, the Lord told me to come, and of course I always, even though I am his spiritual father, I still submit the word to the man of God. This is what the Lord told me, do you agree with it? He said he does. I don't know about other people who are in uh, church services who can just get up and do something without submitting, submitting to the head of the house. But that's another spirit altogether, and, and another day we'll have to get with that some other time. Um, but the Lord is definitely a God of order. He's a God of order, of order. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this day and for the things that you have already planned and designated to happen. We thank you, Father, that you will move expressly by your spirit. Father, I pray that every heart will be at rest. And we'll be open and receptive to hearing what your word, uh, what your spirit is going to say in this house. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that you're already communicating your word and your voice to your people. They're already receiving what you have in store for them. Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're, what you're going to do and for what you're doing right now. In Jesus' name, let every heart say amen. All right, turn with me in your, in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Very, very, very uh, familiar text of Scripture, Isaiah 53. When you get that, I want you to say praise the Lord. Isaiah 53. Well, I know where he's going with that. You don't know me yet. But just, just stay with me, Okay. Has ever, anyone ever gone to a place where you have felt tolerated but not celebrated? You just felt that? They didn't really, you didn't know if they really wanted you to be there, but they sort of put up with you because you, they didn't really know who you were. Or they didn't recognize the anointing or the presence of God upon your life. Just didn't know. 
You ever felt at different times that uh, you were looked over, looked down on, passed over, set aside, and thought if they only knew? Anybody like that today? Well, the Lord gave me this word to give to you today. Tolerated, but not celebrated. We're going to look at that today. We can look at some of this, of course, in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our, our model. He is our elder brother. He is our God, our Lord, our Savior, our King. He is our supreme example. Let's look at the Lord Jesus here. Isaiah 53 Verse number one says, who hath believed our report? Are you there with me? Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord, what? Revealed. Stop right there for a moment. We're just going to take it slow. You can hang from the chandeliers next time. Pastor West be up here. He'll help you with that. I just want to break it down to you real slow and easy. Because I want you to get this. Are you with me? The Lord said, who will believe our report? Re the word report here means, of course, message. It means news. Who's going to believe the news? Who's going to believe the news? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The word arm talks about strength, God's strength, God revealing his strength to his people. Look at that. To whom, to whom is the arm of the Lord or the strength of the Lord revealed? Now, who's the one who does the revealing? Well, it's the Lord, right? It's the Lord. God's going to reveal his strength even in this hour. But he is the one who reveals strength. Natural man can't comprehend or understand or even see it. Remember when they asked Jesus, well, Lord, when, the, when the Lord Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. But Peter said, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. What did Jesus say? Blessed art thou, Simon of Arjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. We often wonder, why don't they see? Why don't they know? Why do I feel this way when I go around certain groups of people? Because God has not revealed it unto them. The Lord Jesus proclaimed the blessing on Peter and said, you're blessed. Now, Peter was blessed because God gave him the revelation of who Jesus was. Here's Jesus standing in their very midst, sitting in their very midst, and they did not know who he was. God in the flesh. Well, the same thing happened there, we know, to uh, Jacob as he was... Um, um, laying on a rock in the desert there. He woke up the next day and realized, I'm right here at the gate of heaven. He said, I was right here in this place of heaven, and I didn't even know it. Right here, he saw in the vision, in the dream, angels ascending and descending, going up before the Lord. He didn't realize that he was right there in the presence of the Lord. He was in the bright place but didn't realize it. We can also see the same case with, uh, with David. King David. Samuel came to his house, came to Jesse's house in order to anoint the king, and they knew that. 
This is a big deal. Jesse calls, or rather Samuel, the prophet Samuel calls Jesse and his family over. And the Bible says in, I believe, uh, 2 Kings or yeah, 2 Kings 16th chapter or 1 Kings 16th chapter. He tells Jesse to come over and bring his sons and, and he sanctifies them before the group. The Bible says he sanctifies them. Jesse, bring your sons here. And, of course, the prophet comes and he brings his oil, and he stands before the first son, Eliab, I believe, and says to him, he says, surely this must be the Lord's anointed. He's tall, he's handsome, he's strong-looking. Surely he must be the one. He has the external values of one that should rule. God said to him, what? That's not him. Man looks at the outward appearance, but it is God that looks at the heart. In other words, I've got something, and he saw it later on, of course. God said, I've got something that looks small, but has a very big impact. And he, of course, the prophet went through all the sons that looked like kings, and the Lord said, none of these are the ones. Samuel asked him, Jesse, you got any more children? He said, yeah, I got one more. He's out there. Look at that. He did, this was a very important moment in time. Here is the prophet Samuel, well-renowned prophet Samuel, man of God, man who speaks for God, king anointer, king anointer. This was a very great day. And he calls all the sons in except for David. Tolerated, not celebrated. So what did that make David? How do you think that made David feel? His brother say, uh, maybe in the dinner before, before uh, you know, um, Samuel's coming to the house to anoint his king. Really? Yeah. Well, you stay out there, David. We're going. David probably said, okay. Y'all go ahead. Y'all look like kings. You look like you're somebody. You've had all the education. You have all, you've had all the schooling. You know how to preach. You know how to teach. You know how to talk right before the people. You know how to engage and how to engage them. You know how to do it. I'll just stay over here. But God saw something in David that he did not see in the rest. And he promoted David's humility and brought David forth and anointed David in front of everybody. In front of everybody. God affirmed David in front of them all. Look at that. We can also see this in, in the case of uh, Aaron. Aaron, I believe in, the, in Numbers, the 16th chapter. Uh, there was a big dispute among the children of God about who was going to minister before the Lord. Who is the priest? Well, the Lord said, hey, I'm going to shut these people's mouths now. Tell them all, tell one man from every tribe to bring a staff. Bring those staffs and, and set it before me, 12 in all. And I want you, Moses, I want you to put everybody's name on their staff, on their stick, all right? And I want you to put it right there, right there at my altar, right there in my presence. I want you to leave them. Let Aaron's name be on his. He said, I'm going to shut their mouths. And the rod that buds, he's the one that I want. But of course, you know, they went through the rods, and whose rod budded? Aaron. And they picked up Aaron's rod, and before them all, here's the name Aaron and the bud, God affirming him before all the people. The one that was rejected, the one that was despised, God exalted and lifted up. 
If you can only get to the point where you don't try to defend yourself, God will defend you. If you can get to the point where you don't try to toot your own horn, don't try to sound your horn, don't try to go and tell them who you are and who God made you to be, God will affirm you himself. He'll affirm you himself. They'll clearly see the anointing of the, of, the, of the Lord upon your life. They'll clearly see his presence upon you. They will clearly see signs, wonders, miracles. They're, they will clearly see the word of God in your life, Christ active in you, and know who you are. Let me, let me give you, since we're going to have ordination next Sunday, let me give you a bit of a word about that. A paper doesn't make you who you are. A piece of paper won't make you. I've known people to pine over tooth and nail trying to get an ordination paper, trying to get a license, trying to get it. I've known women and I've known couples that finally got a license, but they weren't as married as Cuda Brown and Jack Jill. You need more than a piece of paper that make you married. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It's going to require more than a piece of paper for you to be whoever you are being ordained to be. The paper only signifies to the world that you have been through a certain period of, of time and training and observation and that you have been recognized by the association as being this. But that paper doesn't mean a thing to demons. It doesn't, mean a, it doesn't mean a thing to cancer, sickness, or disease. It doesn't mean a thing to them. They could care less about your paper. Are you coming with the power? Are you coming with the presence? Are you coming with the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Are you coming with the power of God? Are you coming? They could care less about the degrees. I know plenty of people that have been to school, been to Bible college, been to seminary, don't have enough power to cast a gnat off the back of a horse. Don't have any power to heal the common cold. Do you have the power? Is Jesus with you? Are you understanding? Is Jesus with you? The education, yes, helps. All these things, yes, help. But at the bottom, at the, at the end of the day, when that person is right there, let me tell you an example. Let me give you an example. One day a family called me. Um, they have been really sporadic in and out of the church for a bit. Can I talk to you for a moment? They've been in and out of church, and their mother was ill, some form of cancer. They had already, or bad diabetes or something. They had already amputated a leg and were going to amputate a few other things or something, and they called me in. It was doctor saying it was really bad. Now, I didn't know the fullness of what was going on. Let me tell you, sometimes ignorance is great, especially when you have to go in and pray for somebody. I didn't know how bad things were. Let me tell you, they called me up to the hospital, and uh, they just said, come and pray. I said, Yes, I will come and pray. So I get to the hospital, and I see it like I saw it like it was yesterday. Uh, the children, the grown children now, because their mothers, she's up in age, and the children are around the room there. And I see them crying. I see the mother in the bed. She looks like she's sleeping. 
And so some are crying on this side, the crying on that side, and they, they're looking worried. But none of that phased me. Didn't phase me. I came in the door, not saying I was super spiritual. I'm just saying at that moment, the Lord obviously had me covered, and I just didn't phase me. I came over, and I knelt down. I said, I said, I motioned to them. I didn't really want to conversate. I just motioned to them. I said, I'm just going to pray right here. So I got at the end of the hospital bed, uh, you know, at the feet, and I touched her leg because the other leg was gone. I touched her leg, and I just knelt down, and I was on my knees and just prayed, you know, not loud and not boisterous, but just, I just felt the need to pray, and so I just prayed. I ended the prayer, and I got up, and I walked over to the head of the bed, and I touched the lady on the shoulder. I was just going to just, you know, just bless her, just, just touch her. You know, she was asleep. Didn't really, didn't really want to wake her up, but just, I just touch her, Jesus. And when I did that, her eyes came open, and she looked over to me and said, where you been? I said, oh, well, I've been right here. Now, when she did that, her family said, <gasps> and they started just freaking out. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to wake her up. But what I did not know is that she had been in a coma and the doctors didn't know that she would wake up if she would wake up or not. Anybody hear what I'm saying to you? I didn't know how bad it was. So when she opened her eyes, they freaked out. Doctors, nurses came in. What in the world is happening here? Are you seeing what I'm saying to you? I could tell you some other things. I think I will. I may tell you some other, other testimonies. But what that family needed, they didn't need another sermon. They needed somebody who was carrying the power and presence of God. They needed someone that was real. Like I told you, ignorance sometimes is wonderful. I came in there thinking she was asleep. Well, she was. But I had an unction, a strong unction to pray and to pray. Are you hearing? Oh, wonderful. Let's go a little bit further in Scripture, and I'll tell you some others, and then we'll close out shortly after that. Is that okay with you? The Bible says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? God will prove who you are. He will show who you are. He's the one who does the revealing. Verse 2, for he, talking about Jesus, now the Lord, remember the Lord Jesus said, I'm sending you. He said, go in the Great Commission. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Right? So this is how the Father sent Jesus. And this is how he's also sending his anointed ones. So this is talking about our Lord, and this is also talking about those whom he has sent. Look at verse number two. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He's going to grow up. Tender plant, small. Doesn't even look like it has 
very much life planted in dry ground. Catch that picture. There's a, a small plant growing up in a barren, dry place. Now, plants need water. Isn't that right? And the more water you give the plant, doesn't it get green? But if a plant is planted there, rooted in a dry ground, you wonder, how is that still surviving? Look at the Lord's beginnings. His mother was despised because they said, oh, hmm, that's Mary. She's the one who got pregnant before they got married. And she says the father is God, her. And that's Jesus. Yeah, he's the one. No, Joseph is not his daddy. He says his daddy is God. Mary bore the stigma of adulterous, adulterer for the rest of her life. Unless those knew truly that she was carrying the Messiah. Other than that, the world saw her as an adulteress for the rest of her life. Do you understand that? John the Baptist, I mean, look at this man, great man of God, had a calling, yes, but he ministered in the woods. His clothes were camel hair. He looked rough, I'm sure smelly, but yet and still he carried the power of God. Can we bear the stigma of his calling, or do we still have a reputation? The ones that were the most anointed in Scripture were the ones who had a mark. They called, there was a mark on them that said, this is mine, and they stood out from the rest. Are you hearing? He grew up in a dry place. They said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Anything good come out of that place? Who, Jesus, where, Nazareth? He grew up in a dry place, in a dry environment, an environment that, that did not cultivate who he was. He couldn't get his identity from where he was. He had to get it from God. Are you hearing? Are y'all still with me today? It says, it goes on to say, he have no form. This is what we really want to get to here today. He hath no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, if, if Jesus were to walk in here right now in the same form, many of us, if we were not spiritually discerning, many of us would just look over him. Just look over him. Are you hearing? Many just looked over him. But here again, he's God. He could have made himself a body any way he wanted to. Buff, handsome, long flowing hair. He could have made himself the Superman if he wanted to. But this is how he chose to camp to come. This is how he chose to reveal himself to mankind as someone plain, ordinary that you look over. He chose that so that you could really, that so that you could only spiritually discern who he was. 
He didn't come in with the, he didn't come in a palace. He didn't come in with a people with trumpets. Here's the king coming. No, when he came in the room, you probably didn't even notice him. And he sat down. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, what does that mean to us today? As we're about to close, what does that mean today? When you go in, you go in as, as God's what, secret agent, so to speak. They'll never see you coming. The Bible declares that God has not chosen many wise, but he's chosen some foolish. He's not chosen many strong, but he's chosen some weak. He's chosen the beggarly things to confound the wise, those that think they have all together, they'll look back at you and say, my God, how did you get this? My God, it must be God working with you. My God, there must be a God. And you can't even put two sentences together. And how do you have all this? He will choose the ones that have the darkest background the darkest backgrounds to show up the light of his glory. He will choose the things that are base, that are small, that look insignificant, the things that they'll never even notice and house tremendous power there. Are you hearing? The stone that the builders rejected that has become the chief cornerstone. The ones that they throw away, God said, I'll use that throwaway. I'll pick it up and I'll present it. I'll put my glory on it. The ones they said never be anything and never go anywhere and never do anything, God said, you better look again. I'm going to use it for my glory. So when we look in the mirror and we say, God, how can you use me? You're not seeing the whole picture. When you go into a room and they say, who are you? And just turn their nose up at you. Say, well, God has not revealed to you yet, apparently, who I am. To whom has the, the Lord revealed his strength, his arm? To whom? It doesn't look like it yet, but just keep on waiting. God will vindicate. And even though Jesus grew up in such a place, he grew up in such a place where, can you imagine him actually growing up with the tauntings of the children? Here's Ralphie and his, his Ralphie and Ralphie's daddy. Bobby, Bobby's daddy. Johnny, Johnny's daddy. Jesus, Joseph. Can you imagine that? Always being a little odd, a little bit off, a little despised. Are you hearing? And so as the Lord Jesus comes, and he finally comes of age, and he's about to start his public ministry, what does his father do? He goes to the River Jordan to be baptized there of John. John says, hey, I can't do this. Jesus said, hey, suffer it to be so now. John says, okay. He baptized him, and the dove, the Spirit of God as a dove, 
like a dove comes upon the Lord and it remains on him. And then we hear a word of affirmation from his father. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It sounds like thunder and lightning to some. But Jesus knew. That's my father affirming me. He's affirming my ministry. Before any of them see, he's affirming me. Before I get my paper, he's affirming me. Before they invite me to their church, my father is affirming me. Before my name, my name is known, he is affirming me, calling me his son. Jesus didn't need, didn't look for, neither, neither did he ask for the affirmation or approval of man. He looked for the affirmation or approval of his father. And the father blessed him and said, this is my son. Hear ye him. Shoo. Are you hearing what's being said? I don't care if the world endorses you. I don't care if Barack Obama endorses you. If you don't receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, you don't have anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The Lord twice in Scripture, the Father affirmed Jesus first time there at the River Jordan. The second time when he took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, what we call transfiguration. And the Lord, oh, he turned up his glory and his face shined brightly. Right? And then appeared with him Elijah and Moses coming to talk to him about things that were to come. But then Peter sticks his foot in his mouth. Lord, it's great that we be here. Let's make three, uh, three tabernacles here, three, three monuments, one to you, one to Elijah, one to, to Moses here. Yes, let's do that together. Messing it up, Peter. You're trying to put Moses and Elijah on the same ground as Jesus Christ? What does the father do? Steps in again, glory cloud comes and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he adds here, hear ye him. What an affirmation. What an approval. This is what we are after. When God puts his seal on you, all of hell can come against you. But when God puts his seal on you, that means that he is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? How many demons would it take to knock you down? How many people would lie on you and criticize you? What would it matter when God has put his seal on me that I am right with God and God's with me and the powers of hell cannot stop me? I'm telling you, when God puts his seal on you, you'll charge the gates of hell with an empty water pistol and the fire will be out before you even get there. That's the power of God on your life. Jesus. Jesus. They may despise, but the only reason they tolerate is because they don't know what's really in you. They don't know you. Sometimes you go into places and you will be, you'll feel intimidated. 
You say, I don't want to go because so-and-so is going to be there. They got this and they got that and this and that. And you feel intimidated. You begin to look at what they have and you begin to think about what you have. And you feel intimidated. And when you get there, they look at you, hmm, hmm. And people are getting their own little cliques. You know them getting over here, group over here. And the A crowd is over here. They're the ones who hug up to all the big people. You know, all that stuff. And here you are over here. You know why you're over here? Because God doesn't want you mixing with that over there. Because God's got something special in store for you. But you just wait. The Father's going to say, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. God's going to turn the whole thing around. He's going to make the last first. And the one that was first, he'll make them last. They're going to need you. Let me try to land this thing. They're going to need you. They're going to need the power and presence of God. They're going to need the word that will flow out of your mouth. God will orchestrate and hear this. God will orchestrate this. He will orchestrate a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And he'll allow you to eat and have a buffet, have a banquet dinner right there in front of them while they're staring at you. He'll allow your, you to be planted by the rivers of living water and you're getting your nutrients right from that living water while they are drying and drying up. And they'll look to you and say, how are you able to do this well it's the favor of God upon my life it's God blessing me it's God keeping me you don't have to sound your trumpet you don't have to sound a horn they will all know who you are but understand something before we ever get to that place we've got to have private victory before you'll have a public success God was able to trust David with the bear and the lion. Since God, rather since David won the victory with the bear and the lion, God knew that he could trust him and allow him to defeat Goliath on up the road. Since David fought the bear and the lion when nobody else was looking, he allowed David, God allowed David to defeat Goliath when two nations were looking. Nobody's looking over here and David's praising him. Nobody, the cameras are not on over here, but over here, David's doing the exact same thing and is blowing the world's mind. Are you hearing? Will you allow the Lord to, let's go a little bit further, finish this out. He had no beauty. No form, plain. We would say today, not charismatic. You wouldn't notice him. Isn't that something? He is despised. Anybody been despised and rejected of men? A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? And we did, rather, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our, our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him smitten, rather stricken, 
smitten of God and afflicted. But he was one wounded for our transgressions. He was one bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and what? That's right, with the stripes we're healed. He endured all of that so that we could stand here today. He endured all of that so that you could minister to the world and show his mighty, magnificent power and presence. He did all that for you. Now understand something as I close and leave. Just a moment, as I pray, rather. The closer, I want you to realize something. Please realize this. The closer Jesus got to the fulfillment of his ministry, the more people left him. The closer he got to his assignment, people just dropped off. Dropped off until finally it was he and he alone. Even as he went to the garden, they slept until it was he and he alone. The closer he got to his assignment, the more left. Are you still in the will of God when everybody leaving you? Are you still in the will of God when the money seems to be drying up? Are you still in the will of God when everybody turned their backs on you and all you've got left is a word that God has given unto you? Are you still in the will of God? Are you still, is God still with you? Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. The closer you get, the more the enemy comes after. But after that point, after he endured the suffering, after he endured the accusation and the, the criticisms, after he endured that, all power is delivered. Then he gets to a place where nothing else could ever again touch him. And here we are, 2013. There is ministry in us. There is word in us. God has a plan. God has a purpose. But can we endure the contradiction? What contradiction? They say we have nothing, but God says that we have everything. He said, I have filled you with all my fullness. He says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of power. And the power, look at your hands. The power and presence of God is filling your hands. You have anointed the anointed to lay hands on people that are sick and see them healed. Touch your mouth, touch your mouth. Out of that mouth right there, the God will send a word that will heal the nations. Touch your head right now. God is covering you with this spirit and you're under divine authority. Because you, as you are in authority, you'll be able to command with authority. They say you have nothing, but God says you have everything. They say you're not going anywhere, but God says you're going further than they even dreamed or imagined. 
Can you endure the contradiction? Can you endure the contradiction? If you can endure those years of contradiction, you will surely see the power of God. There's a little song in this little movie, this cartoon movie. I liked it. Anybody ever seen the movie Mulan? Fa Mulan, you know? Little cartoon movie. Nobody seen Mulan? You don't have no children? It's old now, I guess. In that thing, she sings this song. <clears throat> she looks in the mirror and says, Who is that girl I see staring there back at me? When will my reflection show who I am inside? Well, she didn't sing it like that, you understand. That's the contradiction because she knew that she was greater. You've had dreams and visions, and, and the Lord has prophesied over you. You've seen a future. But yet and still, when you look, you don't see it, but you know it's there. If you can endure the contradiction, which is only for a little bit longer, when the two meet and who you really are begins to step forth, understand something, once it gets out of the box, you can't put it back in there. Once it is known, you cannot become unknown. Once it happens, it has happened. Once Holy Ghost headquarters starts to stirring in Bowden and the Lord allows Bowden to know who you are and what's in this place, you can't put it back. Once the name goes out, once God begins to touch the hearts and once the demons begin to cry out, you can't put it back. Once it is known, it is known. And then the days of smallness comes to a close. The days that you can look in and know, I know everybody here, will close. And once those days close, you can't get it back. Everything changes. Somebody, I'm not sure whatever they did with the lottery thing, I don't believe in that, but understand something. If you were to win that $600 million, your whole life would change. You would have to move. I like to see you stay in the same place and everybody know you got $600 million in the bank. I'd like to see you try that. I'd like to see it. You'd have to move. You'd have to get your kids out of school. You'd have to get out of there and go to some other place with, around some other people. You could still do ministry, but ministry would change. Everything in your life would change. You still preach, just in another place. You could try to preach in this place, but you couldn't hold the people because you'll have so many others. Some would come for the gospel, and many would come for the money. You understand? Once, and that's just filthy mammon. The glory of God is so much more powerful than filthy mammon. Once the glory hits, you won't be able to contain it. So enjoy the days. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the memories. Because once it hits, you can't put it back in the box. 
Enjoy the man of God. Enjoy one another. Because once it hits, you'll be traveling here and there and there and there and there. I used to be able to call him on his cell phone, but now I got talked to his secretary. I used to be able to this, that, and the other. Once it hits, you can't put it back. Do you understand? So please be encouraged. Please be encouraged. Please be encouraged and enjoy where you are. Because once these days are over, they're over. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.